Be sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or our notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Hello, listeners. This is Tamina Watson, immigration attorney, and you're listening to the all-new Immigration with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, you can call the um, radio studio. The number is 206-414-7674. That's 206-414-7674. That's if you have any questions, and I'd be happy to answer them. If you have any questions, you can also email us at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. This show airs every Tuesday at 10 a.m. at 12.50 a.m., radio station Desi that listens to you. Please do spread the word and tune in when you can. The show is also archived on our blog at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. You can access shows afterwards if you can't listen to us live. But we would love to hear from you if you are listening to us live. We have a wonderful guest um, on the show today. Stay tuned for that coming up. Um, Today, I'm going to give you some news updates that's fresh um, uh, from yesterday and, in fact, today. You might remember from our very first show... We talked about executive action uh, that um, Obama, President Obama had put in place in November 2014. And the centerpiece of the executive action was to protect and give uh, work permits to approximately 5 million undocumented immigrants. And the people that would have been able to um, benefit from the work permit Uh, and the program uh, were parents of U.S. citizens and green card holders. You may recall that the the program was being litigated, particularly in Texas. Texas and about 26 other states had sued the administration. There was a a preliminary injunction on the program becoming live, and uh, there was an appeal to that injunction. Unfortunately, yesterday... The federal court um, denied the appeal and essentially said uh, that the program still has to be on hold. The it's it's a sad situation for executive action. Unfortunately, uh, essentially, what the court was saying is that the administration had not introduced the program with due process. There should have been a comment period, they said, uh, and the rule should have gone into the federal register. There is actually a very wonderful dissent in the judgment, and I would ask anybody that is interested to go and read the decision. 
It is a rather lengthy one at 135 pages. However, Judge King and Judge Higginson were the dissenting judges, and Judge King wrote a wonderful dissent on on the issue. And he goes through many, many、um, points about why the program should go on and why the the injunction is not right, and the stay rather. And essentially, what the dissent says is, when there is a case by case discretionary decision on whether somebody can get a work permit in the U.S.,、uh, that doesn't require the Federal Register commenting process. I would ask that you go and read this. It's it's really a blow to the administration、um, and the program, and it's been、uh, disappointing for so many of my clients, my readers, and I'm sure many of you. If you are affected, then we'd love to listen、um, to you and hear about your comments and how are you feeling. The number is two zero six four one four. Seven six seven four. Anybody who has any comments on this, you're welcome to call us and air your opinion.、Um, the number is two zero six four one four seven six seven four. The judges basically ruled that Obama had no statutory authority, and that is essentially not true.、Uh, the administration has discretion, and that's the key word here: discretion.、Um, Uh, and people who are in this country, it would it would be so expensive and costly to deport them.、Uh, this is a good measure economically for everybody. So, I would ask that if you are affected, you call your congresswoman, your congressman, your senators, and make sure that you are heard. Your voice is very important. Write to a newspaper and explain why this. Affects you. Remember, we had、um, our guest Pramila Jayapal on the on the radio station not so long ago. Write to her; she is an active immigration reform supporter. Speak to her. Have your story heard.、Um, in other news today, if you had listened to、um, or read, if you read the New York Times, there was a very interesting article today, and I want to bring it to your attention. Mainly because I'm a startup visa proponent, and all of you will know by now that if there's anything about startup visas, I'm your woman. And this article really talks about why the H-1B program is problematic. In my opinion, it is not problematic. The only problem is we don't have enough H-1Bs. The article、um, was published today, this morning, and the author is Julia Preston. And the article argues that. There are a lot of consulting companies, large consulting companies, that are taking majority of the H-1Bs, and thereby、uh, the system is not fair.、Uh, the article also argues that by virtue of these companies taking、uh, H-1Bs or majority of the H-1Bs, that American workers are being displaced. It also argues that large companies, because they are taking these H-1Bs, that the smaller companies are not being able to get those H-1Bs, and therefore people are leaving the U.S. Now, just a reminder to the listeners:、um, the H-1B visa is given out each year as a quota of sixty-five thousand for people with a bachelor's degree, and additional twenty thousand visas for people who have a master's degree.
The article goes on to talk about, and in fact, a, a Seattle company was mentioned in this. I would highly recommend you go read this, um, that the smaller companies are not getting these visas. Why? Because the 65,000 visas and the 20,000 additional visas are the only visas that are given out each year. Yet last year, last year meaning the last fiscal year, which was April 2015 when the applications were accepted, the government received over 200,000 visas, applications. And then that becomes a lottery. So in the lottery, it's a really random selection process. So if the large companies are getting a lot of uh, visas, it's because they probably filed a lot of them. Uh, but it doesn't mean that there was anything unbiased um, about the program. So if somebody files only one application, your, your chances are of winning that lottery, if you like, is very slim. There's no um, better way of putting it than there's a random selection process. So blaming companies particularly consulting companies, uh, in my opinion, is, is not what the system is about. The system is itself broken, and we need more H-1Bs. If you are a consulting company, then we would love to hear from you. Share your opinion. Um, American companies need consulting companies. There are many, many reasons why this is happening. American workers are not being displaced as such, um, so the article really honestly talks about startup visas, in my opinion. It doesn't air startup visa anywhere, but read the article. See if you agree with me. This article, to me, demonstrates that a startup visa is absolutely essential to hold on to the people like Theo Negri that is mentioned at the beginning of this article. The article talks about several others who've gone back to Nepal and started their own companies. Those are the people that would be absolutely essential and suitable to get the startup visa. And those companies could have started in the U.S. So anybody interested um, in this issue, go read the New York Times today and read this company. If you can't call in, email us. The email is info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. You can also leave comments on the blog, which is also on the website, www.watsonimmigrationlaw.com. Another article that I want to bring to your attention today um, is from a Canadian newspaper called theglobeandmail.com. It's written by somebody called Jitin Pillay. And it talks about... Um, uh, Canadian entrepreneurs. It talks about uh, a particular uh, business called Nitya Labs. And Nitya Labs is a cross-border startup that is based in Canada and India. The um, article talks about their product, which is Air TV. It's the media company. And the content, it's, it's created, the content is created by the, the people. So it's, uh, it's own, you own the video streaming of this um, on this particular app. Um, it's interesting because the article mentions that the Nitya Lab um, founders actually tried to come to the U.S. Uh, Nitesh Dulal is the name of the, the founder. And think about how much the U.S. is losing by not having a startup visa. So I would ask that if this is an issue that is important to you, please, please make your voice heard. Uh, the startup visa is key to many of the problems that are being discussed in the two articles that I mentioned. Um, 
I will also ask that you watch out for a future interview um, uh, with the movie maker of For Hero to Go. That's coming up soon in the next few weeks. So watch out. And if you get a chance to watch that movie, For Hero to Go, then I highly recommend it. This is Tamina Watson on Immigration with Tamina Watson. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here. We have a wonderful guest today. And I am so honored and thrilled that she has joined us. She is none other than the newly elected Bellevue City Councilwoman, Vandana Slater. Thank you so, so much for coming today to the show. It's such a pleasure to be here, Tamina. I'm super excited. I'm excited, too. This is such a wonderful victory, not just for you, but for the South Asian community. This is just wonderful. Tell us a little bit about the election process. Well, at the moment, we're safely ahead in the numbers, and they have not been fully certified. So maybe it is my background that I want to be absolutely sure where I'm willing to announce that uh, my opponent has conceded. And, uh, you know, this is a very exciting moment. And I think I'm still kind of absorbing it all. That's wonderful. Well, I'm going to take a moment to tell the listeners a little bit about you. So Dr. Vandana Slater is a community leader, public school parent and biotech and healthcare professional. Vandana was born and raised in northern British Columbia. Her father is a physician who trained in Canada and then stayed on to set up a general practice. Vandana and her two sisters grew up in Prince George, a regional center for mining and logging, at a time when there were few South Asian families in the area. She attended the University of British Columbia in Vancouver in the 1980s, where she graduated in pharmaceutical sciences and earned a varsity athletic letter in the sport of fencing as captain of the women's varsity fencing team and BC junior foil champion. You've got to tell us more about that. Vandana married her husband, Greg, in 1988 and immigrated to the United States from Canada to pursue her doctor of pharmacy at the UW. UW. And um, she got a postdoctoral fellowship in pharmaceutical sciences. Oh, he. So I'm so sorry. Excuse me. They moved to Michigan and later New Jersey for a total of 13 years to pursue their careers and returned to the Pacific Northwest in 2003. Vandana currently works in the global scientific affairs at a leading biotechnology company, Amgen. In her role, she communicates with the academic researchers and leading clinicians regarding novel drug treatment for inflammatory disease, osteoporosis, and bone health. Over the last 25 years, she has worked as a clinical hospital pharmacist and also in various scientific, clinical, and business roles for major companies including uh, Amgen, Pharmacia, Pfizer, and so forth. She has a long history of public service uh, and became interested in U.S. public policy um, and progressive politics when her son was born. You can read a lot more about her on her website, Vandana Slater. So Vandana, welcome again. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about how uh, your immigration uh, journey was. Thank you, Tamina. Uh, It's great to be here. And I guess when I think about my immigration journey, I think about growing up as a daughter of immigrants and the journey from becoming an immigrant here in the United States to citizen and then ultimately to be able to contribute and participate in uh, the public sector and in uh, elected life, hopefully. So so my journey is kind of, you know, starts at... uh, when I was young. 
And I think my parents, both from India, taught me a great deal about what it was like to build a life somewhere new. And I really, you know, think my father has been a real role model for me because he, uh, he was a pioneer and he left India. I think we have to acknowledge that it takes a great deal of courage to move from a place that you know to some place that you completely don't know. Uh, also, you know, my currently I'm so much more aware of my family background and my, my story because um, my uh, Gener- three different, many generations over three countries have served their community. So, uh, so I, when I got married uh, in Canada, um, I we moved here to Seattle in 1988, my husband and I. And I think, uh, you know, I pretty lucky. You know, I grew up in a North American system. I could speak the language, and uh, coming here, it sort of seemed like it wasn't so different. I think Canadians might feel that it is actually very different. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but when you're here in the United States, I think people kind of sort of have a little chuckle when I tell them I'm an immigrant from Canada. Mm. Uh, But growing up in Prince George, British Columbia in Canada, uh, you know, one of three girls, uh, two um, South Asian family in a South Asian family with my parents, I learned that it was really important to give back to the community, to be part of the community. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how an immigrant becomes engaged in public policy and why it's important? So I think it's incredibly important, uh, but it's not easy. In the beginning, you're sort of just building your life. And I became engaged, I think you mentioned in my bio, that one of the points at which I really kind of captured that, uh, that interest was when my son was born. I think women in particular... Uh, are incredibly powerful, um, not only advocates for their family, but also uh, representatives of any community. And when you have the chance to build your life here as a woman, I think it makes a lot of difference. And what I was able to do when I moved to Michigan with my husband, we were there for 10 years, and I was working for a hospital that I moved to work for uh, the Upjohn Company. And my son was born, but I didn't really have any roots in the town where we lived. And I didn't really have family to help me take care of him. And so I was really, um, you know, I really benefited from the Family Medical Leave Act. And at that moment, I realized that public policy or a government very far away, you know, in Washington, D.C., or a decision made by somebody actually affected my personal life because I was able to stay home with my son for six months and then return to my job. Wonderful, wonderful. So, um, I mean, that's how I become engaged too, because I can't help my clients. Their laws are not what they need to be. It's crazy. Uh, It's it's really crazy. So now that the election is over, um, what's on your agenda? Wow. Uh, Well, the election is still, I think, continuing, and perhaps that's just an element of my background that I want to be absolutely sure, as we mentioned Mm. earlier. I think that one of the things that I feel that I can do at age 50 now, I'm sort of the... You look fabulous. Listen, you can't you. see her, but she looks <laughs> wonderful. You would never guess she's 50. Well, and a proud 50. <laughs> so, but, and I think that I grew up as children of, Im- of immigrants, as a child of immigrants. And I think that I can help to show people that when their children grow up, they can be leaders in the community. And I hope to forge that path. But not only that, also build bridges with with communities that it 
segments of our community, groups in our community that may not have a voice right now in the process, in governing. We're economically contributing. We're contributing in so many other ways. And our cities and our our community, again, is incredibly enriched by the diversity that we bring. And yet, really capturing that is kind of difficult because in many ways we're isolated. So I hope that in my process of being a city council member uh, and somebody engaged in public policy, I can speak and articulate some of those difficulties that we have in engaging um, on both sides, whether you're an immigrant or not, uh, somebody who can build bridges to different communities and can help to empower young people to see that they have a voice in this process and they can actually participate in democracy and in their future. Wonderful, wonderful. So if somebody wanted to contact you... Um, for anything, whether they're an immigrant or not, for any help. Um, how would they do that? Oh, uh, well, at the moment, I have uh, I have an email that is friendsofvandenaslatter at gmail.com. That is my campaign email, and it's still active. And uh, you can reach me on Facebook, and as Tamina, you have also messaged me on Facebook. Uh, as well, I have a personal email. You're welcome to reach out to me that as well, vandenaslatter at cs.com. I'm kind of from the old CompuServe days, if you can believe it, but <laughs> the techies will understand that. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, uh, please feel free to um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. That's wonderful. So last word from you, what is your advice to immigrants? So Bellevue is a very large immigrant demographic um, and people are going to come to you. What would your advice be to them? Right. It's a great point. Uh, Bellevue has 42 percent um, ethnic you know, population wow. and a 30% foreign-born population. So first of all, recognizing that we are an incredibly diverse community and that we have around 80 languages spoken in our school systems. Wow. So I would just encourage people, um, whether you are somebody who comes from a different country, speaks a different language, or if you aren't, if you've grown up here all your life, you know, to stay engaged and not be isolated. I think we're stronger together you know, our community is much more enriched when we have all voices participating in the process. So I would encourage, I would encourage people to reach out mm -hmm. to each other and learn and grow because I think our kids are already doing that mm -hmm. in their school system. And I think that our future is so much better when we interact with one another and try to learn from each other. Wonderful. Well, I agree. You know, before I actually let you go, I forgot to ask you a very important question. The very important question is you have claim to fame with somebody who's very, very famous legend in India. Are you willing to share the story? <laughs> sure. We have I, one minute. Okay. Uh, so my very close to my grandfather, and when he was young and he was in college, he worked for uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Wow. And Did you hear that, listeners? It's <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> and uh, I think so many people might have done that in his day at the time. And uh, he actually uh, was in the ashram and while he was studying, he at night, a kerosene lamp spilled on his leg, and he got burned. So the ashram actually, uh, you had to wear long shorts, but he ended up wearing pants. He was brought in front of uh, Gandhiji because he re refused to wear shorts. And Gandhiji says, well, anyone who's that stubborn and persistent deserves a place in my organization. And so he was actually one of the uh, people who... Um, allowed or didn't allow access to Gandhiji during his meditation time. And so it's a big joke in our family that even Prime Minister Nehru couldn't see Gandhiji if my 
grandfather was there. Wow. Well, he did it for about five weeks and then, you know. Wow, that's a lot back, more than many others. But imagine that kind of stubbornness in you that will get <laughs> things accomplished. Well, Determination, right? <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Vandana. It's an absolute honor and pleasure to have the inaugural interview with you. Thank you, Tamina. Thank and you for your... It's super exciting that you have this show, too. Thanks for what you do to really I raise awareness. That. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, listeners, thank you so much for being with us today. We are running out of time, I'm afraid. If you have questions or comments, please email me at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. I always want to hear your feedback and your thoughts. If there are any issues that you would like me to discuss, then please let me know. You can absolutely call us to the, um, the studio number is 206 414-7674. Next week, we'll be talking about some more immigration updates. We have a very special guest who's coming in next week as well. Um, watch out for the news on our blog to see who it is. Um, they see 12.50 a.m. every week, 10 a.m. Um, please tune in. You can log on to the website to find the archive of this show as well. Please spread the word. You share the news. Um, one last word about people like Vandana to keep them in office to help us. We really need you to continue to support them even if the campaign is over. Your support is absolutely essential. Thank you again, Vandana Slater, for being on the show today. Tune in next week Desi, 12.50 a.m. I'll look forward to listening to you. Uh, Immigration with Tamina Watson and Desi.